This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Something to keep an eye on today. I don't think it's coming this afternoon, but a potential announcement about the beer store and the province. And if you're thinking, is this is this a lead story? Yes and no, because for ages, the threat's been there that Doug Ford and the, and the conservatives want to put more beer and wine in corner stores. They've been sliding ahead, talking with stakeholders about it. How how best to do it? What's our rollout plan? And it's been revealed this morning that later this month, the province will say something that probably everybody thought would happen, and that's plans to terminate the beer store deal. Ontario, as a province, has a deal with the beer store. I like an origin story on how they came up with that name and what was the second choice, because we've just called it that. Since dad used to stop off there and get his stubbies in 1978, and you'd be sitting in the car as a five or six-year-old just waiting for him to come out. Maybe he'd meet somebody in there that he knew. Um, But anyway, there's going to be no more relationship between Ontario and the beer store. And if you're thinking, could this go past the point in time when the Ford government is the Ford government? I guess, but then it would be up to another government to reinstate the deal. But um, that may be coming later on in the month as Ontario gets closer to a rollout. I was looking for recent stories about it, and there really hasn't been anything said about it since just this past summer. But you'd recall part of Ford's election platform in 2018 was passing a bill. He promised a buck a beer. And I don't know what, I can't even remember a a lot of the details about it. I just remember the news conference, like we're going to make some beer available so you can buy, go in and buy 24 for $24 or 12 for $12. And though that didn't completely come to fruition, it got a lot of attention and positive attention, to be honest, from people that were considering who to vote for. I bet you it wasn't the only reason, but I, I, as I like to say sometimes, it wasn't nothing, but it was something. And Ford presented this as part of that that particular platform and then passed a bill that would axe an existing deal with the beer store. He wants to spread it out. And I'll tell you, for retailers to be able to make more money, uh, I don't know that that's a terrible thing right now. Retailers seem for it. You get all these people that talk about controlling alcohol and we can't have this and we can't have that. Look, as somebody that lived in the United States and you could walk five feet and buy a bottle of wine or uh, or or a bottle of gin for your gin and tonic, rum for your rum and coke. It just, you got so used to it, it just seemed like part of the wallpaper in uh, America. And I don't think it would be any different in Ontario, but I'll give you more on that a little later on uh, this particular morning. Um, I don't think that announcement's coming today, but the concept is it's coming before the end of the month. Uh, meantime, a couple things to get to, and one is the passing, if you missed it last night, of Israeli peace activist Vivian Silver. Um, when we think, boy, I want to give back to society, I want to accomplish things that make it not just so that I'm remembered, but but just so I can say I left the earth a better place, this just sounds like the prototype of that person. This is who you'd sculpt. This is who you'd build. This is who you'd tell a computer to craft. If indeed that's what you were looking to do. She was 77 years old, 74 years old, excuse me. And they have found she was killed in her home on October 7th by the terrorists of Hamas. People wondered whether she was taken hostage in Gaza. And when I first heard the story, I thought, did they find any other hostages? I remember I was walking through the mall last night 
um, with uh, on what was at the time a, a fruitless mission at the mall I was at to buy my son uh, basketball shoes uh, for a tryout this morning. But when I got more context of the story, she'd been presumed to be taken hostage in Gaza and many hoped she was still alive, but they ID'd her today. Um, so as of right now, A, it's a tremendous, tremendous tragedy. Um, it's horrific to think that they didn't know where she was or that she'd been killed on October 7th when it's yesterday, November 13th, and today the 14th. And the third factor certainly is what's her legacy? Her legacy was about peace. Her legacy was about equality in wages and working conditions for women in the Middle East as well and in Israel. She was born and born and raised in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And she didn't just do this as a lark or for a year or two. If you volunteer, if you give back, if you go on a mission overseas, my heavens, that's that's just it's tremendous that you decide to make that kind of sacrifice. But maybe you're doing it for six months or a year. It's still incredible. And I praise you for it. She made this her life. She made this her life. And that that's the distinction that I think we make here this morning with Vivian Silver. Um, So it's a tremendous, tremendous legacy she leaves behind. It also uh, clarifies just from a statistical perspective, because it's important that there are no Canadian hostages uh, being held by Hamas. We believe that she was the only one. Um, at the end of the day. Meantime, um, and I'll get to this uh, audio from uh, Rick Mercer hosting an award show last night. He was interrupted by protesters. There's some comedic elements to it and there's some depressing elements to it. But um, the principle we told you about briefly on the show yesterday, and it was fleshed out, our Global, uh, our Global News 640 Toronto reporter Matt Carty did some follow up on it. Rich Ward's been sent home and he's the Peel District School Board principal. And again, he's a, he's kind of in a run of people who are professionals. I was speaking to a couple of people last night about this who are making mistakes on social media. They're going too far. You can have opinions. Apparently, you can show up and uh, you can be part of public gatherings. That would be wrong to prevent a public gathering from taking place. Hate speech, different thing. Threatening people, different thing. Violence, uh, different thing. But he joins, what, a couple police officers, people working in restaurants, uh, an airline pilot. I'm sure it's happened to a few people in, in the media business. I just can't think of any names right now who just overstep and their boss comes to them and says, you're hurting the brand. It's bad news. And here's what he did. He took a headline written by another media organization and rewrote it and said and wrote on Twitter on the 12th, which is two days ago on Sunday, your headline rewritten for accuracy. Anti-Zionism has rocketed in the wake of the Israel-led genocide in Palestine. Okay. What he was referencing was a lot of threatening anti-Semitic graffiti around the city of Toronto. School didn't like that. The board, Peel Region uh, School Board, didn't like that. And he's gone. And... uh, He's not going to be back anytime soon. I can assure you of that. Strangely, and I will not out this person, somebody wrote and said, yeah, I work at that school. His name's uh, Richard Ward. Pretty good guy. It's too bad. But, but, um, yeah, he said, I'm just learning of this right now. So they haven't informed all the school personnel that this has happened, which I find really interesting. I feel like the teachers and the, and the support staff, whether you work as a custodian or IT, you should know about that. Just so happens, and maybe this is the range of the show, and I'm really appreciative that the person wrote in. He says, well, I work at that school. 
nobody told me anything. I just thought he was away yesterday. I'm paraphrasing, but I find that a really, really interesting story um, that that ends up being the case. But what someone in the education industry told me last night was, is that this is it. He's going to do restorative, some restorative practices, some conflict training. He'll apologize and he'll be at another school next year. Now, maybe maybe it's a one-time mistake and a one-time error. Maybe it is. And maybe he deserves a fresh start. This guy could be a phenomenal principal. But again, separate freedom of speech from freedom of consequence. You can't just say anything, do anything, um, and not expect there to be not there to be uh, repercussions, reverberations. There's a bit of a tightrope, right? A bit of a high wire act people are walking right now. I know. So it's very critical, especially if you're posting on social media, which to me is one of the most dangerous things you can be doing right now. And if you're the principal of school, people want you to educate. They want you to lead the teachers that teach our kids. That's what they want you to do. They may not want you to weigh in on this conflict, and especially something so um, potentially offensive. If you don't, I was going to say, you have to know how offensive that is, but if you don't, that error in judgment is something that Peeled uh, School Board can look at and say, you exercised really poor judgment here, and we can't go further in our relationship. Now, I mentioned uh, Rick Mercer, the outstanding, uh, well-known Canadian comedian last night. He's on stage emceeing an event last night. It's called the Scotiabank Giller Prize, and it's for literature. And um, in essence, this was near the end of the evening. Um, He got kind of bum-rushed on stage by a guy holding a sign upside down. I don't know whether the intention was to hold upside down or not, hold the sign upside down, Uh, but protesters came in to the theater calling out Scotiabank. Um, accusing them of funding, there's the G word again, genocide in Palestine. They also yelled out and screamed for a ceasefire. You'll hear Rick Mercer. You'll hear him notice the people coming onto the stage. You'll also hear the band start playing. I don't I don't know whether that's part of the protocol when your stage is uh, bum-rushed, but the band just gets into some nice cocktail music and maybe the bar reopened. Here's how it sounded. And thank you. Uh, are you nominated? Okay. 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 Time to go. Start moving at the same time in the studio. Gordon Rennie's got the right idea. I mean, lo- lovely. I, a, a Long Island iced tea should just land like- in my hand right now. I feel really relaxed. <laughs> it sounded like the theme to Sex in the City. That might have been what they were working with. That might have been the <laughs> that might have been the template. Something goes wrong. <laughs> Carrie Bradshaw. That's where we go, guys. It, there's three of them, and they and the camera put the put the uh, the camera was put on the band. At first, it was on the audience, and I'm like, maybe they should just go dark. Because the audience didn't know what to do, knowing the cameras were on them. Quite a scene. It does It does create that debate of what are the limits of protest anymore? We see all these stories in, in Europe of them, people lying down in the streets and on highways because uh, they want you to stop using fossil fuels. 
We haven't got there yet, but maybe we're headed there. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. I'm eager to get to our next guest. He's Ward 13 Toronto Centre City Councillor Chris Moyes. Uh, and he's also uh, on the Toronto Board of Health. And he's kind enough to join us now. Thanks for making the time for us. Not every councillor does, but you pick up your phone and we appreciate it here on Toronto Today. It's great to have you back on. It's great to be here or eat this morning. I, I want to credit you on uh, 211. And, and I, we were talking about it last week. And I think people look for that sort of right balance between what's an emergency call police need to go to? What's a call that we could avoid sending police? Just the police wanted a solution like this. I think the public wanted a solution like this. Um, it's the pilot project seemed to go really well. And now you, you're spreading it everywhere. I think it's a win win. I think it's amazing. It's about time. You know, other uh, jurisdictions uh, have tried it and it's worked very well. Uh, we know that the police is very stretched currently, uh, doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Um, and I would say that, you know, uh, these calls are health related. They're not mm-hmm. uh, police related. And so I'm happy to see that um, the city has recognized this finally. I see that this is true progress. You know, the word progressive has been thrown around a lot you know, over the last couple of years. But this is true progress and putting people first. And uh, I think uh, there'll be more better outcomes. You know, we know the names like W. Laws, for example, and others come up. Um, you know, uh, Floyd is another one. So, again, these are things where the police interact with people with mental health issues and the outcomes are terrible. Who are, so, who, are the, who are the employees that are going to be these counselors? Were they on staff already? Have you hired new people? And, and what's their training like, Chris? Well, there are the third parties, like, for example, we have the Gerstein Center, for example, who does the mobile crisis unit and other agencies across the city. Taibu in, um, in Scarborough also have experienced staff doing it. So it's a third party. Um, people will call. They can call 211. Uh, they can still call 911, and they will be directed based on the call, uh, the service call that's needed. And um, we will dispatch the appropriate staff to help people in crisis. So I think, uh, again, this has been um, piloted for the last year. Uh, the numbers have been uh, very promising, very successful, and the police are happy with it, and agencies are happy with it, and families are happy with it. So mm. I think that it's gonna be now citywide. It's a great, it's a great uh, success story. Chris Moyes, our guest on Toronto today. Yeah, I, I, again, I, th- I think it's a big win. I know the Board of Health has asked the province for $5 million to add to their budget. Um, people would ask, if they don't know, clarify, what do you say you need it for and what's been the response from the province so far? Well, again, there are things that we have to do in the city when it comes to, let's say, implementing uh, vaccines, for example. Uh, the, city, the province have downloaded a lot of services to the Board of Health and to the city. And so it's really just to uh, make sure that we have the resources to to um, to implement those things. Uh, for every $100,000 that the city, the Board of Health receives, that's one RFP, that's one, that's one employee. The money doesn't go to, you know, I don't know, other things. Mm-hmm. It goes to people on the ground doing the work, be it food inspection, be it going to long-term care facilities and uh, congregated sites to help people um, who are most vulnerable among us. So I do hope the province will recognize the importance of this fund. It's only $5 million. 
And so it could, have, it could help the board of health to continue to do the good work that they're doing. Have you had, I, I see the 23 budget for the for uh, the board of health is, uh, is $159 uh, million, what about $159.1 in net expenditures. That's an increase on 22 with times, I suppose I could say, of austerity in the city. Are, are you expecting a budget cut for the board of health in 24? I don't expect a budget cut. Remember, too, that uh, the province pays 75% of our budget and the city pays the 25%, right? But again, these are people on the ground doing the work. And uh, we actually, I think, saved the city and the province and <laughs> the taxpayer a lot of money based on the work that the Board of Health staff is doing. So uh, we're, doing, we're the largest uh, Board of Health agency in the country, and we're doing extraordinary work. So um, I think the province now and others realize the importance of what health, you know, just coming from the tail end of this pandemic. I, I know the city before in 22, before you came on, on board as a counselor, the city had an excess of, of COVID shots. In essence, they overordered based on, despite the, the strong uptake, they ordered more of the third shot, the booster, et cetera. If you've over, how do you sort of place that order and spend money? Because I look and I go, if there isn't demand for the shots that you ordered, what happens to the shots? It it looks like a financial loss, but is that a risk that you have to take? Well, it's a risk we have to take, but again, the shots are not paid for by the city. The province, you know, forwards the shots to us, and we implement it, right, Uh, as an agency. So we're not paying for the shots directly. Um, but again, I think, you know, we have to be prudent and make sure we have enough in stock, uh, for our citizens who need it. And quite frankly, I think the uptake will be quite significant this year. Uh, it's a good, uh, booster. I have taken mine <laughs> and my family have taken theirs and I hope all of Torontonians will take theirs as well. And, you know, you also, you don't only do it for yourself, but it's good for people around you as well who are most vulnerable. I, I saw Mayor Chow talk about the, the vaccine. Um, she described it as an essential service. I, I'm not asking you to explain uh, her words or be responsible for her words, but I just found that was sort of, that was very open-ended. Like essential almost sounds like you have to take it. This is, uh, and I know you're, you'd clarified, it's very much a choice. It's very much, there's some people that will need it a lot more than others. You mentioned seniors and people in long-term care. Um, they'll need it more than a six-year-old or eight-year-old. Well, I just, I found her comments a little cloudy. I want to know if you could clarify that for us. Well, I, I, I again, I believe she, what she meant was that people should take the shot, right? She's encouraging people to take the shot. I mean, Torontonians have actually had a pretty good uptake during COVID, mm-hmm. taking the shot, and we hope that, you know, uh, people continue to do that as well, as well as the, uh, the influenza shot as well, which I also took this year. And you could take them together. So um, I think it's a positive for yeah. all of us. All right. I think, uh, yeah, I think more people are, are certainly, uh, they're very interested in the flu and influenza shots. And like I said, there's there's pharmacies that are struggling to keep them in stock. So the city is doing what it can to make it more available to people. I'm out of time, but again, the 2 one thing is going to work out very, very well. Thanks for the other stuff as well, and we'll stay in touch. 
Sure. Have a good day. Chris Moyes joining us uh, from War 13 Toronto Centre. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. April Engelberg uh, is a former city council candidate and joins us on the line. Now, I don't know how often you're on the GO train, but do, do you see a lot of checking for fares? Do you see a lot? You won't see as much of that in the TTC, I would figure, because the gates are a little more secure, right? Great question. So actually, I think the situation with Metrolink's fare evasion, and good morning, by the way, yeah. I think the situation with Metrolink's is actually a lot better than it is with fare evasion for the TTC. So the, I get that it's it's silly to have a fine minimum. I think instead it's just they should just have an inspection minimum. So the new policy is 120,000 inspections for inspectors. That's their quota. Um, but with Metrolinx, your first ticket is $35, which isn't that bad, right? And your second mm-hmm. ticket is 50 third ticket is 100 So that's reasonable for the public. But the TTC, by contrast, is up to $425 for fare evasion. Yeah, and a, and lot, a lot of counselors have made the point that's a crazy amount of money when you consider what fines are for other things, whether it's it's a parking ticket, whether it's you, you really, you, and you're probably giving $425 tickets, April, correct me if I'm wrong, to a lot of people who can't afford that. Exactly. Or just a lot of the time, I think there's just defects with the system. I, I, there are so many times on the TDC that I personally could not pay because the Presto machine yeah. wasn't working. That's not a, as much of a problem anymore. Or it's just so crowded that you literally cannot reach the Presto machine to tap it. That has happened to me many times. I think that's getting a lot better now. But yes, the the fine relative to what it actually costs to ride, like the fine versus the fare, I think is quite unreasonable for the TDC. Um, and for Metrolinx, yeah, I just think they should have a minimum amount of inspections, but not a minimum amount of tickets. Because yeah, that's I don't know what the, have you ever taken the um, the up, um, up Express to the airport? Yes. And I they, and they always check, right? Like you're always checked for that. And I know they can't check every go train every hour on on every route. But I think it's a pretty firm policy that it's not just an honor system on the on the up Express. You're going to have to show your ticket, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, when you're getting on, they're able to do it because mm-hmm. it's. Uh, I think it's slower, like you have 15 minutes to get on usually. So that's how they're able to check people when you're boarding. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the TTC, uh, it, it, the story yesterday. We're going to have David Ryder on at, at 8.05 this morning on our show, who's the City Hall Bureau Chief. But I don't know if I, I don't want to overuse the word bombshell. It's phenomenal journalism and great inside reporting about Rick Leary, the TTC CEO. But this certainly documents um, that there it just feels like there's a lot of movement uh, against Leary for valid reasons, perhaps. And uh, and the CEO of the TTC might be a new person very soon. Definitely. So what we know is that, and thanks to David Ryder's report, so if he's on later the show, yeah. but um, there was a secret TTC board meeting last month regarding allegations um, for the CEO, Rick Leary, for bullying and harassing employees at the TTC. But we don't really know that much because there's solicitor-client privilege over the meeting. Uh, what we do know is the board chose not to suspend him at the time, but to instead investigate him. And what I'll say is I think the chair, uh, Councillor Myers, did the right procedure. He just became the chair of the TDC because complaints about the CEO go to the chair who then needs to arrange for an investigation. So I think he was just following the standard procedure. And for now, we just know that they're going to be investigating him. I know with anything where um, and and we're talking more general now, anything where you're thinking, oh, are we going to have to make a change at the top or is there an important change we have to make, especially if it's based on a 
uh, an HR reason or, or, or a personnel reason as opposed to just pure performance. It's the payout. And when we think about a city that's that's broke, April, um, it, it's very difficult when we see this much money was spent to basically pay somebody not to work. I mean, even private businesses are wrestle with that on a constant basis. Ah, this person's not performing. But if we pay them out, we have to get somebody to replace them. And then we're paying two salaries. I don't know how much consideration the city has in that, but I know that the cro- they'll be in the crosshairs if they make the wrong call here. Definitely. So what I believe I read in the article is that they would have to pay him for two years of his salary if they fire him without cause, meaning without a valid reason. Um, However, my understanding, this is just Mm. my own prediction. My understanding would be that if they fired him for cause, they likely would not have to pay him. Which is probably probably why they're working so hard at finding cause, right? (laughs) Yeah, so probably the outcome of the investigation will tell us more. Yeah, that's $980,000 over two years, if indeed he's guaranteed a full two years of uh, of severance. Um, the, the city itself, um, condo completion. I was talking with uh, uh, a real estate uh, agent yesterday, and he's making the point again. Builders can't build right now. It's really expensive. And May Warren has a great piece in the Toronto Star about this being very chicken and egg. Toronto condo developers have all these troubles um, because – People can't afford new interest rates that they might have put down money on for condos and the condo companies, as we've seen with all these huge developments, the one, for example, the Mizrahi developments one. um, This just feels like that perfect storm, doesn't it, where hard times for consumers are butting up against hard times for builders. Exactly. So the reason why it's coming up so much with condos is because you put down your deposit before the condo is built. So when people were putting down their deposit a couple of years ago, the interest rates were much lower. And now the condos are nearing completion and then the buyers will have to get a mortgage, right? And so it's obviously going to be much more expensive than they were planning. And the issue is some people might not actually want to go through the purchase, but then if you don't go through the purchase, then the builder can sue you for your deposit. Sorry, the builder yeah. can sue you to close, like to close the, the condo. So it's a difficult situation with both rising interest rates and construction costs. What do you see around where you live right now? Are you seeing a lot of projects that just feel like they're stagnant and projects that aren't getting completed? Do you see the, the builds being um, you know accelerated or does it feel like things are slowing to a crawl? Well, I live right downtown, Greg, so yeah. there's an excessive amount of construction. I don't think I've noticed it yet in my area, to say the very least, like the amount of construction projects that I will pass just on my walk to work this morning. I couldn't give you a number, but a lot, a lot. Yeah. So I haven't noticed it here yet, but I think it'll be interesting to see how many new projects break ground, you know, in the next year. A lot of the projects that we're seeing, they've already started last year, the year before, Mm. even like up to five years ago. So it'll be interesting to see how many more get started from new sales. Yeah. I think the the reverb effects of the interest rates, of the difficulty in building, of of the immigration uh, that we're expecting, it's all just getting going, it feels like. Um, I I don't think we're at peak um, consideration of all those things banging up against each other, as I said. April, I got to leave it there. Thanks so much for the time and your insight. I always appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a good day. That's April Engelberg joining us. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Uh, Sheba Siddiqui is our producer, Gord Rennie, our technical director. Um, I, I'm I'm so conflicted because you guys know I love retail. I grew I'm, I'm an 80s kid. I grew up in the mall culture, and I get really sad. I come in with sad stories, Sheba, every time I've been to a mall 
or a food court and I see doors that are closed and businesses that are shuttered. Mm -hmm. And last night I'm looking, we went as a foursome, a family to buy basketball shoes for one of our kids who's um, gigantically tall and thinks he can make the basketball team. Um, But, but regardless, we couldn't, we went to about four different places. We went to Pickering town center and actually thought sport check still existed there, but it's gone. Oh, really sad. And that's just, Five minutes near our house. And was it successful? Were you yeah, sure? we got him the right shoes, but but by about the third store, I forget where we went to first, but we were almost headed towards like Rouge Scarborough to a, like a more of a, there's a big warehouse out past White's Road that's listed as a sport check. And it used to have everything. It used to be a big national sports in Scarborough. Gord, do you know the one I mean? You're, you're that neighborhood. It's off, it's on Kingston Road. It's a massive, massive sports warehouse, but they don't have oh, quite- yes. Now they have a lot of winter coats, and they have a lot of uh, underwear. But no shoes. No. Very, <laughs> very few shoes. Um, but it's so, sort of a discount place. But yeah. do, you, like, do you have that retail feel? I think basketball shoes are something you got to try on. Like, I have to, like, okay, men so have to try on no, pants. Uh, sh- I can't buy pants on the internet. Yes, you can. Here's the trick to avoid going to the mall. But see, you are uh, that 80s dining kid. You're the 80s mall kid. I'm the 90s mall kid. I get it. But the kids don't do that anymore. They don't hang out at the mall. That's not part of their social culture anymore. Maybe the girls on the weekends, but that's it. You buy the online shoes in multiple sizes. (laughs) And then you return the ones that don't fit. And it saves you from going to the mall and feeling disappointed and finding parking, especially now. Parking must be insane anyway because Christmas is coming. Yeah, but an online return really stresses me out. I don't know what it is. I'm is just it finding the packaging? This, is it using like having it electrical me out tape so or duct tape oh, around? I'm the same as you. I I wouldn't be able to do it. That's what husbands are for. Uh, like I had to find return, yourself a husband, and he can do it for you. I had the wrong Canada. Like I bought one of those Canada Goose coats once, and then I realized a baller. Okay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about six seven years ago, and I I had to return it, and this thing weighed like it, it to find. Well, it's got feathers in it. Yeah. But to find packaging that made the coat work to send it back to the manufacturer, like it just felt like I was driving around for an hour and then it, it ends up being like an industrial size sealed ant. Like you couldn't find any envelope that a coat fits in. Okay, so here's a tip before you decide if you're keeping something or not, keep the box. You keep the box that it comes yeah. in, and if you don't like it, you put it back in the box and return it. Yeah, I just assume something's going to go terribly wrong. I'd rather make eye contact with the people in the store. I'd rather say, here's why I don't want this anymore. Yeah, I know you like that experience. When people buy furniture or a television or something, how do you return How would you return a TV? And what would you explain? How would you explain it? You put it in your trunk, you put it in the Costco cart, and you bring it back to Costco. I I just want to live in a country where retail still is prominent. I may move just for the retail experience to be renewed. That's what you're going to do. Okay. Um, All right, we saw this, and... uh, (laughs) And I don't know how to explain that this happened because it's a moment in time. The the bad boy uh, furniture store, uh, as you know, filed a notice of intention in Ontario court. They're going to restructure their business. Ah, you know, tight retail market, high interest rates. The boss drives five Mercedes around. Uh, he has a different Mercedes for every day of the week. Who knows why it went out of business? But anyway, that's just alleged. <laughs> um, but this this happened over the last day and a half or so. But we forgot. That 30 years ago, and I think it was fall 30 years ago, um, the new U.S. president was Bill Clinton. And he'd only been in office about a year. But Blaine Lastman, the son of Mel, had hired lookalikes to play Bill and Hillary 
in a bad boy ad. Here is that ad. I think I don't think there's a close, close first place for the best bad. I you know ball and chain prison uniform. Nah, it's been done. Here's what the ad sounded like. Papers, papers, newspaper, please. I'll tell you, hon, these guys promise the lowest prices in Canada or the U.S. or it's free. Free? They even have free health care. Still think that's a good idea? Look, here's their ad. Bad boy furniture and appliances. See here? Lowest prices in Canada or the U.S. or it's free. I love it. Got character. Look at these prices. And bad boy offers no interest, no payment for one full year. Drivers, who's better than bad boy for furniture and appliances? Now, I think that's Blaine Lastman as the driver. He's the limo driver for Bill and Hillary Clinton. In the prison uniform. What? (laughs) This is even before any (laughs) scandals. Okay, their commercials were the best, though. Can we agree? 100%. Those were amazing. You look at that. We're still talking about it. But the idea that the White House then sent a cease and desist letter, what would you do to get a look at that letter now? I would frame that it's letter. Fantastic. If I got that Absolutely. letter, that's going on my wall. Like people auction off, you know, musicians and movie stars pass away and this happens and that happens. And you're like, I want this. I want that. I, I, so you come into somebody's basement and they're like, what's that? Oh, it's a letter from the White House to Bad Boy Furniture to tell them to stop making it look like Bill and Hillary buy washers and dryers at your store. That's good enough for me. They'll, they'd read the letter. They might take a photo beside the letter. And as you pointed out, Sheba, the guy that plays Bill, I think he was on a bunch of U.S. TV shows as he well. Looks exactly He's really good. Like him. He looks exactly like Bill Clinton. Now, I think the accent gourd is something right out of like a Smokey and the Bandit movie. I don't think that's I think that's one of Burt Reynolds adversaries from one of those late 70s movies <laughs> well, or the one Clint Eastwood's isn't Clint Eastwood driving around with just an orangutan and they're punching people for two right. straight hours. And in which way but loose. It's amazing. You can make movies like movies like that then made everybody happy. That's right. Can we bring back monkeys and Clint Eastwood driving around in transport trucks? I've always said fighting you, people. You What's a, wrong? You put a chimp in a suit. It's automatically better. When I think of Mel Lastman, I also think of his controversial quotes. He's known for that. Do you remember some of the craziest things of he said? <laughs> So my favorite was um, when he wanted the uh, the Olympics bid for 2008 and he was on his way to Kenya and he said, what the hell would I want to go to a place like Mombasa for? I just see myself in a pot of boiling water with all these natives dancing around me. That's what he said to a microphone. He also said to David Miller in 2002, you will never be mayor of this city because you say stupid and dumb things. And this is a year before Miller was elected mayor. There are no homeless people in North York. That's something else he said in 97 when he was... He really uh, did say that? Yeah, there are no... A day before a homeless woman was found dead at a North York gas station, he said, there are no homeless people in New York. I just... Oh, my gosh. I just got sent this. The uh, that Lastman... The guy... The Bill Clinton person, his name is Tim Waters. And uh, and so Lastman got a hold of Tim Waters. He saw him on TV in the States and, and got and arranged for a commercial to be shot. And, uh, yeah, he got the letter from the White House. Cease and desist all unauthorized use of the likeness of the President of the United States of America in advertising of commercial services and products. Lastman refused to stop airing the commercials and even made several more with Hillary Clinton impersonator Elaine Cuba. (laughs) Maybe that's Elaine Cuba's best work. Maybe it's not. He would always double down. You find that? 100%. 100%. That, yeah, he yeah. always doubled down when he was called out on something. Here's the quip from Lastman about the cease and desist from the White House. Last time I checked, this was Canada, not the 51st state. Not recognizing that law is international. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have Margaret Thatcher standing outside the beer store. You can't have somebody looking like Margaret Thatcher 
thinking to authorize the beer store to sell beer in 1987. You can't do that. I don't think yeah, you can. No, I don't, like, I'm almost positive you can't. Well, you, apparently you can't. I don't and know, he did. Yeah, I don't know where this uh, this ended. Thank goodness he didn't. Uh, yeah, the Summer Olympics comment is greatly concerning. <laughs> I think it was because the guy was he, said that. he was so I, good as the impersonator. That's why the letter came. Because I think people were. You think a bad impersonation wouldn't have drawn uh, interest? I don't think so. I think people were actually confused. I thought it was the president. But now, even though he's not president right now, do you no. think a Trump impersonator could, you know, do a furniture store thing and would Trump sue? I don't know. If he I would. Think, well, you might love it. Yeah. If Trump can smell money, he, he's in there. Um, let's do this story to wrap. We got a couple minutes left. And I'd love to know, you know, I don't know if Dave Bradley can join us for this segment or not, but we saw this story about how mom's car, here's the headline in the star, mom's car just mom's car. We don't know what kind. We don't know who the mom is just yet. Seized after driver clocked at almost 100 kilometers over speed limit. A Brampton man had his driver's license suspended and mother's car impounded. He's going 166 in a 70. We mentioned this yesterday, and we were talking about this yesterday in the house, about the fastest speed you've ever gone. Now, now for some reason, Sheba, men, I, I don't know the variety of male versus female speeding tickets in Ontario, but I'm honestly going to guess that it's like 80-20. I believe you because just because of insurance I, rates, a, a female's insurance rates are much cheaper than a male's. Yeah. Yeah. So so don't you think at some point, um, I, I, do you, would you like to admit, because I think the statute of limitations has long gone past, when you look, especially with a digital readout, what do you think the fastest you've ever driven was? I know this. And where and why? But there you're always a ask reason. Ask me the car, and I won't be able to tell you because I don't. That's know. That's okay. I think it was like, oh, I'm I'm saying this on the radio, like 180. Come on, I'm, telling I'm always you, worried the car will break. You was, must have no, a great it car. Was a, it was like a fancy car. It was a sports car. It was <sighs> a, it was a guy, and he never let anyone touch his car, but he let me drive it. And, we and he's in the passenger seat. Yeah, he, he was in the passenger seat. No, no, like he like I think it was like a, it was an empty area. And then like, and then I did it and then I was never allowed to drive it again. But, but you're on a road or like an empty road or an, an empty, empty road. Ho- okay. An empty road. So you're not worried about, there's no two way traffic. You're not worried about. No, 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 I would, no, no, no. It was like empty. It was late. No, I don't think I've ever gotten the car to one fifty because it starts to shake. Oh, uh, maybe I yeah, need better cars. Like, oh, the cars we drive. Yeah, absolutely. But there are cars out there that are made for this. Speed. My car now would absolutely fall apart. It does. Didn't now. you just get a brand? Didn't you get a brand new car? Can't we do a video when, of you Wednesday. in the car going 160? Wednesday, I get my car. Oh, didn't you have to? Don't you have to get in through the passenger door now because the the driver's side door okay. doesn't I did. work? I did. Yeah. Be, be <laughs> nice to it for a couple of days, and then yeah, on Friday day. for a little bit of a Friday, you know, Friday flex. But when it was drive new, it at 160 home on fr- on Friday and see what happens. But 15 years ago, when it was new, what? I it, the speedo said uh, 220 on there. It's like wow. Yeah. So I got it up. I it pushed 190, and I got scared. Dave Bradley's our resident race car driver. Is that so? 166 and a 70 is a heck of a ticket. Yeah, that's that's too fast. But what what do you go around the track when you race? You race not stock cars. What do you race? Remodeled. It, yeah. No, I race. It, it's a it's it's called an, an outlaw midget car. So it's a, it's a smaller vehicle. Yeah. Uh, and it's powered by a snowmobile engine. So uh, it's like a scale car. And we'll do at the end of the straightaway probably about 100 miles an hour. So about 160 clicks. So you're this guy's out speeding you in mom's car. Yeah, but we're on we're in, on a closer. So we're we're on an oval yeah, track that's like a third of a mile around. So this guy's passing people on bikes and yeah. old people out for walks. Yeah, exactly. Oh my heavens! All right, um, one sixty six and a seventy. We don't we don't know the limit of the ticket, but yeah, the mom's car not getting the car back for a month.